0: Since the beginning of the church, persecution has been part of the Christian experience. In fact, the Bible tells us that all who seek to live a godly life will be persecuted. Today, an estimated 360 million Christians are living under severe religious restriction. On this podcast, we share their stories. And we answer the question how can American Christians live as Christ? In an increasingly hostile culture, the way of the persecuted is the harder way. And this is the Harder Way podcast.
1: Well, hello, everyone. I'm Scott.
0: And I'm Maddie, and welcome back to the Harder Way podcast. In today's episode, we want to talk about the state of persecution around the world as well as here at home in yeah. America.
1: Yeah, I know. Persecution, man. I was at Starbucks at Christmas time, and there were no crosses or Christmas or anything uh, Jesus y on the coffee cups. And I was, that was <laughs> That was persecution?
0: Well, here's a little secret for all of you listeners that is not persecution. What? That's not that's not persecution. The world not catering to Christians is not persecution. We're going to talk about what persecution actually is and what that really looks like uh, around the world and the persecution that is here in the United States right now. But I don't think that it looks like what you guys might think it looks like. So you're definitely going to want to stick around and hear about this.
1: And we know that uh, John five sixteen tells us for this reason the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him. Mm-hmm. Because he had done these things on the Sabbath.
0: So Jesus himself was persecuted, and we know that as Christians, we're promised persecution. We're told in our our main verse for this podcast, 2 Timothy 3.12, that all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution we're also told that uh, those who are persecuted for righteousness sake are blessed that's from the Beatitudes Matthew 5 so we do know if we look at the Bible that we're told that all who follow Christ all who are earnestly seeking to live for him are going to be persecuted so that's a that's a promise that's not just uh, well you know you might get persecuted it's a promise and if that's true and if all Christians are persecuted, I think that means that persecution might not always look like what we think it looks like.
1: Yeah, there's like a a range. When we think of persecution, we think of... um, Martyrdom. Martyrdom, prison cells, torture. Mm -hmm. And yes, that's all there. But really, it's a much broader spectrum than that. And oftentimes, the persecution uh, that Christians experience, we don't even realize it. Hmm. But persecution is important because... Persecution is the world's way of telling you that it recognizes you as a foreign substance, right? So mm-hmm. if you get a splinter in your hand, your body's going to try to push that splinter out. It's going to send white blood cells to try, you know, yeah. and try to fight an infection. It's going to try create... to do
0: whatever it can right. to get rid of that foreign object.
1: And when you go from the world's kingdom to being a member of God's kingdom, the world says you're a foreign object and it tries to expel you. It tries to cast you mm-hmm. out, it tries to push you out. And so we should experience... Something So there's a general scale that we use. And this was uh, created by a guy whose last name was Pinner. Uh, he was the head of Voice of the Martyrs Canada for a number of years. He's now gone on to be with Jesus. But this is the scale he created. And we're using it until I recreate a new one. But it's it's really good.
0: So where would we say that the, the very beginning of the persecution scale is? What would we say that is? Well, his
1: scale begins with ridicule.
0: Okay, so people's basically it would be people having negative opinions of you, making fun of you, thinking you're foolish for being a Christian.
1: Right, and so there's an important distinction here. We're talking about persecution today, but persecution, believe it or not, the amount of persecution you face is largely dependent upon you.
0: Yes, we've talked about this on the podcast before, and we really want to make sure that we emphasize this difference, that there's a difference between restriction— and persecution. Right. Restriction is when the government or a school or a place of employment makes a, we'll say, rule or you know, says you cannot do X or you have to do X, and the persecution comes when you refuse to do that. So you can have a restriction on you. You can be a restricted Christian, but not a persecuted Christian if you simply comply with the rules that the government or the schools are telling you to do. Yeah.
1: So let's look at that, that really light end of it, the beginning end, because our, our, our ridicule was our, was our first level of persecution, but really the first level of restriction begins with yourself.
0: Mm, Yeah, this is good. Why don't you explain that?
1: Because uh, when we're brand new Christians, even we're you know, we're, we're, I don't want to sing in church because I'm worried what somebody might think. I don't want to talk about Jesus because I'm worried what somebody might think. I don't. I don't want to um, just be, you know, just be outwardly Christian because I'm worried about what people might think, and I'm afraid of ridicule. So you're afraid of the restriction, and so you make a choice to compromise or to mm-hmm. cease your gospel yeah. activities. So that you don't have to deal with that little tiny bit of just somebody having a negative opinion about you, which is a, 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 they could just a micro persecution, yeah. or somebody maybe saying something negative about you, or maybe you're not invited. I mean, I don't get invited to s- certain things because people know I'm a Christian. And-
0: They'll say, "Oh, he Scott wouldn't like wouldn't want to do this, so we right. just need you know, to get invited. Like, or in
1: and you know, I mean, I
0: he's going to be a buzzkill.
1: Exactly, <laughs> he doesn't
0: want to do all the stuff we're doing.
1: Right, and I'm not going to go <laughs> preach at them or something. I'm just going to be able to drive them home. And they can't walk. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, please invite me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, Nobody
0: invite him to do anything.
1: Yeah, exactly. That that's probably what he's more, busy enough. I am busy enough. That is true. So um, persecution moves though through a scale, and so it starts with ridicule, elevates to the harassment, uh, then it can be discrimination. Um, Actual like ad hominem attacks or or, or verbal attacks mm-hmm. like in uh, in in, pers- in some of the more persecuted countries uh, like Cuba for instance the government will make statements about pastors they're leeches on society mm. they're dishonest they're deceiving you they'll make these kinds of big verbal attacks or physical attacks yeah uh, from the people or from the government or imprisonment. And then uh, beyond imprisonment, there can be torture, and there can even be death. And in some countries where there's some kinds of uh, uh, people in charge, death is, you know, it's pretty much it. You're a Christian, and simply by being a Christian,
0: That's basically a death, death sentence. Right. And so that's important to note then. So if we go over this again, the beginning of that persecution scale can be something as small as being ridiculed, people not thinking well of you. People having negative thoughts about you.
1: Not getting invited to a not party. Not getting invited to a party. <laughs>
0: all the way up to martyrdom. Right. And so it's important then that we don't just look at imprisonment, torture, and martyrdom as being what persecution is, but realizing that it really is a scale. Because the degree of persecution is not something that is ubiquitous across the world. It hasn't been ubiquitous across time. It varies. Um, It's varied throughout church history, and it continues to vary from place to place, from situation to situation. Um, And so it's important that we realize that, yes, we are told that we are going to be persecuted, and uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that every single person is going to be a martyr because I know some people who basically, uh, you know, can get kind of extremist and feel like if I don't get killed for my faith, clearly I'm not taking it seriously enough. Right. Right. But that's not always how it looks because uh, what's going on in that particular society, who's in charge of those governments, who your boss is, what, you know, where you go to school or anything like that is going to impact that de- that degree and that level of restriction and of persecution.
1: Oh, well, well, speaking of martyrdom, did you know that since the beginning of the church two thousand years ago, that seventy million Christians have been killed, have been martyred.
0: Wow! Right. Seventy million is a pretty astounding number when you, you really stop to think about it.
1: And I believe the number is somewhere around fifty to sixty million of those were killed in a one hundred year span. Uh, At the hands of communist and fascist government. So in the last hundred years. In the last hundred years. Uh-huh. Wow. Most of them died in the last, were martyred the last hundred years.
0: That's very astounding to realize that this is something that still happens today. Because you would be surprised Uh, maybe you listeners would not be surprised, I don't know, but I was very surprised in sharing with people about this podcast, sharing with people about our ministry, and having people be genuinely confused and say things like, oh, you can be in trouble for being a Christian, or oh, there are places where you can't get Bibles, and people genuinely don't realize that these kinds of things are still going on today. So you said that probably 50 to 60 million of those have been martyred killed in this past hundred years but how about more recently and contemporarily what does persecution look like around the world what's what's the state of christianity around the world today
1: i would divide it into three groups first they're the the the, uh, and these are broad brush strokes so there's Mm
0: -hmm. so very general categories
1: but the first category would be people who live where muslims are in control or trying to be in control and if you live in a Muslim-controlled, a Muslim-majority country, as a Christian, you are a second-class citizen under the law. Culturally, mm-hmm. you're a second-class citizen. But, I mean, as Christians, okay, so that's that's the deal. You, you, it's really not our place to fight that, Yeah. right? But there are a lot of places where militant Muslims, like the Taliban or these militias throughout Isla, Africa— The state. the Islamic State, the, the Islamic ISIS—, state, ISIS Right, where being a Christian is a death sentence or a sentence into slavery, mm-hmm. or it's forced conversion. You know, we torture you, and then you're forced to convert. And so that is the state for a small amount of people, but it's a significant number nonetheless. And I'm sure they don't feel like they're a small amount of people when they're going through this. Yeah. Um, where communists are in control, uh, and that's the second group, is communist mar- uh, Marxist uh, countries, um Christianity is oppressed, but their goal is eradication of Christianity because communism is uh, is basically an atheistic form of government, and it can't tolerate the presence of other religions yeah. uh, that compete with the state's uh, atheistic religion. So, for instance, in China, right now you're hearing a lot about the Uyghurs. And uh, what's happening to them? And it, 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 well, the same things happening to people who practice Falun Gong. Same things happening to people who are Christians. They're yeah. they're just being wiped out wholesale, and uh, and wrote, in a
0: very uh, and we should say too, and not just oh yeah, we're gonna shoot you in the back of the head and call it a day, but in in very disturbing ways, people are being killed and and really uh, many ways tortured, put into work kind of enslavement type of camp uh-huh. so stuff that you would not think goes on in the 21st century yeah
1: I'll never forget the Christian that I spoke to uh in uh, China it's just 20 years ago and he was sharing about his time in prison and he wasn't in prison for being a Christian you know f- full disclosure he was in Christian because in prison because a guy he was in business with took all the money from the business and fled the country oh, and he uh he got, had to take he had to take the fall it. for it So he spent two years in prison and I said, what did you do for two years in prison? He said, I made McDonald's, uh, Happy Meal toys for 18 hours a day. Wow. That was, yeah. uh,
0: That is, that is a a sobering thought when we consider how much of, uh, American products are made in China. Sometimes you kind of can't help but wonder how many of these were made by Christians who have been imprisoned for their faith or, or other people who are being, you know, enslaved.
1: Yeah. So, um. So we have these communist areas, and then kind of on the you know socialism is an entryway into communism. People might disagree with that. But that's just a fact. Um, and in this where, where where socialism has come in and communism and mark you know and, and it hasn't not completely come in yet, you wind up with uh, Christian speech being curtailed, gospel activities, Christian activities are oppressed, they're restricted by the state. Um, And we see these uh, restrictions in the form of like speech regulations, uh, forced behavior, or even forced speech, uh, the acceptance of unbiblical back activities, and we're seeing this a lot already in Europe, we're seeing it in Canada increasing by the minute, and it's increasing um, in the United States with our new religion, which is uh, called wokeism. Wokeism, yeah,
0: lots of followers of of wokeism. Yes, and I think it's important to say too that when we're talking about these things going on um, in some of these more socialistic type of countries, we're not even talking about this from a political perspective, right? Because people can argue, "What's the best form of government, and how should this work?" and da 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 da. da. Um, but th- the reason that we're talking about this is because. Um, it's not about oh I don't think it's fair that we have to pay this percentage of taxes or I don't think it's fair that you know this the healthcare system is this or the healthcare system is that well, we're not talking about any of those things no. you guys can argue about the po- the political side however you want to what we're talking about is uh, Christians specifically being told. You cannot do your gospel activities. You in your churches cannot preach from these specific Bible passages because they're offensive. You can't have, you know, religious types of camps because that's indoctrination. We're already seeing kind of whisperings of that sort of thinking in Canada and even in the U.S. of people saying, is it it indoctrination, which we, we would say indoctrination is abuse, is it abusive to raise children up in a religion. Mm. And we're hearing those whisperings and we see kind of the, what happens when you say, when you say things like that in Europe, uh, they say homeschooling is illegal because they don't want Christians teaching their kids how to be Christians. Right. And then you see in communist countries that saying anything, teaching any sort of religion to children, you cannot evangelize to children. So that's illegal. So it's kind of a, we'll say, a step thing. But all that to say, it's not about arguing over which political system is best or anything like that. It's about, okay, that's just where we're at in our world today, that these forms of government are telling Christians that they have to cease their gospel activities. Right. And in some ways, it's, it's small things. And in other places, it's in really big ways. Yeah, even
1: like the idea about passages of scripture that you might read, or even specific words that you might use in daily conversation, restrictions are, are being extended into those areas, even in Western cultures. But, you know, what's interesting to note also is that uh, when we talk about the most severe forms of persecution, and these are places like Afghanistan, North Korea, China, some places in Africa, uh, you know, Nigeria, South Sudan, Congo... Um, that's that's about one seventh of Christians, one in, no, excuse, not excuse me, not one seventh, but one, one in seven, seven Christians that are facing that kind, that intense level of persecution every day. That's why we say about three hundred and fifty million at the beginning of our podcast because we're speaking to, about those who are facing the most extreme persecution
0: mm-hmm. every
1: day. But again, if you are a Christian, there should be at least something there. somebody should be not happy with you.
0: Yeah. I mean, if, if every single person in the world and the world and all of its systems are completely fine with you as a Christian and take no issue with anything you do, anything you say, anything you believe, it might be time to step back and look at, are there ways that I have kind of unknowingly been compromising my faith to just try to... Go along to get along. And we're not talking about, okay, if if you're not having people sending you death threats, you're a horrible Christian. Or if you're not going into your work and telling every single person, hey, guess what? You're going to hell. Right. Repent right now. Right. You know, we're not saying anything like that, but, but we are saying that people should be able to look at your life and know very clearly that there's something different about you, that you're a Christian, right. that um, you're not like the world. Because the Bible does tell us to be in the world, but not of the world.
1: You know, one of the things, we talk about the three temptations, fight, flee, Plee, compromise. compromise. Yeah. And there is a form of fleeing that I think uh, we, should, we should talk about. Let's say, for instance, you work for somebody and you, have, uh, you read your Bible at lunchtime. Okay. okay, And they, somebody else comes in and says, I'm horribly offended because I just saw Billy in the break room reading his Bible. So your employer comes to you, Billy, and says, hey, listen, um, I don't want you reading your Bible at break time anymore. We This is a non-religious work environment. We won't have that here. And Billy says, well, this is my time. You're not paying me for it. Um, and so I'm going to read my Bible. Mm-hmm. And I won't bring it in, into the office. And I won't. You know, I'm not reading it out loud. I'm not having a Bible study. I'm just reading my Bible. Well, that's too bad. You either comply or I'm going to fire you. Okay. Now that is an employer trying to restrict you. Okay.
0: Yeah. The restriction is the employer saying you cannot read your Bible.
1: Now we also have a passage of scripture where Jesus talks about rendering unto Caesar's what is Caesar's. And in this situation, the boss is Caesar. Mm Mm-hmm. So the boss really should not or can't or, uh, tell you to not read your Bible, but they've done that, okay? And your choices are to flee the situation, quit your job, mm-hmm. go find another Caesar. And that's a legitimate choice. I would say pray first and see if the Lord wants you to do that. But if not, then you um, then you need to decide, what am I going to do about this restriction? Am I going to um, comply with this restriction? Uh, that the boss is trying to place on me, or am I not going to ply, comply? And then if you don't comply, then you may uh, wind up with, with some kind of persecution, like getting fired from your job.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But that's the thing is that uh, right now, we're in a culture where many Christians, they think they kind of romanticize the extreme persecution, yeah. but they don't realize that it it's the little tiny stuff that's here now that we have to learn to deal with and to respond to in a Christ-like way because I don't think that Jesus when he if he was told you you know uh, we use the baseball game example right little johnny's got to be at baseball practice on sunday morning or he can't play in the all-star game okay Jesus would not be at practice
0: right and we've talked about that uh, multiple times on this podcast that these little small things these things that are on that very beginning level of that persecution scale that's the training ground we used the marathon example a couple of uh, episodes ago that those are the the training ground so that if and when those extreme levels of persecution come if and when we're at that higher end of the scale here in the united states if you've never had any experience in responding biblically to restriction, if you've never had any experience with persecution, what are you going to do when the first restriction that comes on you is, you know, hey, guess what? If you don't renounce Christ right now, I'm going to put you in prison and torture you.
1: Right, because here's the the thing. When you respond in a non-compromising, Christ-like way to a restriction— and then you receive whatever consequence that is there's a little secret there's an intimacy that you gain with jesus Hmm. there's a closeness or connectedness that you gain with jesus it causes you to pray more which connects you into jesus it causes you to think about the lord more and about these things more which makes you closer to jesus and as a result you wind up with a blessing in a place where the enemy wanted to curse you or where an adversary wanted to curse you or harm you. So it can be really uh, almost addicting. Not that, you, <laughs> not that you want to go out and seek yeah. persecution, but just the the, uh, the understanding that, no, I'm I'm going to just be a Christian. I'm just going to do what I do in my culture. I'm not going to worry about the consequences and let the Lord handle all that. And you just keep growing and growing spiritually and, before you know it, you're one of them there super-Christians, uh, Well, and that is. Well, and
0: we want to clarify that that intimacy with Christ only comes when you are being persecuted for His namesake, oh. when you're being persecuted for righteousness yeah. sake, because there's no intimacy with Christ that comes from, I was persecuted because I wouldn't shut up about my political opinions, right. or I was persecuted because I was being, you know— Angry and hateful, and so nobody wants to be around me anymore. Right, but there is uh, intimacy with Christ that comes from all I was doing was sitting there reading the Bible, and people perceive that as hateful, and now I'm being persecuted for it. Because when we are persecuted for uh, for our gospel activities, when we are persecuted for following Christ. That is a persecution that can grow us spiritually. Right. That can deepen our relationship with the Lord. Right. But when we're being persecuted because of our own foolishness, because of our own pride, because of uh, just our own opinions on whatever things are going on in the world, there's no spiritual growth that happens there.
1: I would say, I would add to that, don't go seeking persecution. Right. Because you're not going to get a what i would call a spiritual growth benefit
0: mm-hmm. from
1: that you, you it needs to be let the lord bring to you the restriction that he wants to bring to you because mm-hmm. remember he ordains the times the seasons the places where we're born so he you were born wherever you were born you're born in that context so be in that context and be a light in that darkness and don't think, oh, yeah. I wish I could be somewhere else. You're here.
0: We've talked about the sovereignty right? of God.
1: God is sovereign. Yeah. So so whatever restriction he brings to you, the, our prayer should be, Lord, help me to recognize when, he, whether it's me or somebody else is trying to restrict my gospel activities, help me to respond in faith. And ask the Lord to give you uh, uh, an understanding of how you respond in faith. And in fact, one of the ways you can know that, we've discussed this before, where we're going to hit it again a lot of times, is to choose the harder way. Mm. Look for the response that causes you to rely on Jesus the most. So when the boss says, stop reading the Bible or you're fired, the response that requires virtually no faith on my part is, yeah, you better back off because I'm going to file a lawsuit against yeah. you and and I'm going to win and you probably would win.
0: Because you would be within your rights. legal rights yes. to sue a boss in the United States government as, it is, as, as our society and our government is, according to our rules, you would be within your legal rights to sue someone for doing that. But as Christians, we are not called to fight for our rights because Jesus never fought for his rights.
1: Wait, we're supposed to be like Jesus? And We're
0: supposed to be like Jesus. What? Remember this, people. And so... That's the easy way. The easy way is to say, "Oh yeah. You can't make me do this. I'm going to file a lawsuit." That's the easy way because that doesn't require any faith in God. Right. You're trusting in the legal system. You're trusting in your lawyer. You're trusting right. in the, you know, the courts to make the right decision. You're not trusting in God to provide for you through that situation.
1: Right. And that and I think and I think I think that is a great place to really kind of conclude this discussion, because because we want to be at a place where we're looking at every given situation, where the world tries to restrict us, where people try to restrict us, where even we try to restrict us, and we're asking the question: Where's the faith? How do I choose? Uh, how do I? Ch- what is the direction I can choose in this situation? What is the response I can choose? What is the action or inaction that I can choose? It requires me to trust the Lord the most. And when I get to a place to saying, how am I going to keep this job I love and still read my Bible on my break? Um, and How am I going to do that? And I can say, I'm going to have to just trust the Lord. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing and trust the Lord for the outcome. Well, how's it going to work out? I don't know, but the Lord knows. Hmm. Seven words, Seven of, words faith. of faith. Yeah. And so um, we want to encourage our listeners with that today, uh, that you would choose the harder way, operate in the seven words of faith, let the Lord fight for you, don't fight for yourself, let the Lord decide what rights need to be protected, don't demand your rights um, to try to be like Jesus in every situation, and then let the world respond however it responds. Hmm.
0: The world is going to respond in some way. It might be something on that smaller level of persecution where people are just not liking you or people disagree with you and in some cases it's those extremes but we have to be prepared now for how to deal with persecution however that may look
1: and what's the level of response that we're going to get from those who would want to restrict us
0: i don't know but the lord knows seven words of faith
1: all right god bless you guys
0: catch you later bye-bye Thank you for listening to The Harder Way Podcast. If you were encouraged by this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving us a review. To be the first to know when we publish new episodes, subscribe to The Harder Way Podcast on your favorite platform. Until next time, remember the words of Christ. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.